we appreciate the blessing that they are. I want to welcome you today, especially those that are joining us live stream. We are happy that you are part of this worship time with us today. And as well for um, each one of you that are here. God has blessed us with a great day of sunshine. And I'm sure that those rangers are happy for that because uh, 32 degrees of sleeping out in tents. Uh, you got to be courageous to do something like that. And, and I do say thank you to our rangers and for the wonderful leaders and the dads that went for that time of uh, uh, great uh, renewal in the relationships with their sons, and um, it proved to be a wonderful time. Today, once again, we look at the parables of Jesus, and as I've explained, we take them in chronological order. And today's a day of great emphasis on prayer. And as I went to the next parable and was preparing, little did I know that it was a parable concerning prayer. The parable of uh, calling upon the Lord. And tonight is a, a prayer meeting that uh, I hope that many of you will become part of as we pray for the persecuted church in various parts of the world and as we pray for our own church here at Evangel Temple. The prayer meeting will start tonight at 6 o'clock, and you've received instructions. But all of us who are Christians, I know that we have struggled from time to time with the thought of unanswered prayer. We hear about the great prayers that are taking place throughout this world, but it seems like in our own environment, sometimes we come up a little short. In fact, that thought can be so discouraging to us that we may start thinking, Hey, what's the use of praying? What's the use of calling out to God? It seems like my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. And so we develop an attitude concerning prayer. And for some, you may even be tempted to quit praying. We hear the stories of God's answered prayers for others. But as I said, in our own lives, we feel like things just do not seem to be working. I think of myself as a teenager. Many evenings I was bored and just walked the streets, maybe with a couple of my friends. One of the things that we used to do for entertainment, and I'm safe to tell this story because I was raised in New Hampshire and I don't think I ever stopped at your home, but we used to go up and ring the doorbell and then we would run. I don't want a show of hands, but I'm sure there's many of you in this room that have tried that once or twice. So you run, and oftentimes we would run and we wouldn't even look back. We just thought, hey, this was funny. This was something where we could disturb someone. And I think that many times our prayers are like that. You know, we push the doorbell, we knock on the door, but we don't stick around long enough to see if God's at home. And if he even answers the door, and we don't pay attention to his timing. We don't pay attention to his will. And sometimes we don't even pay attention to the requests that we give him. It's a doorbell ring and then off we go. In Luke, the 11th chapter in verse number one, there is an unnamed disciple that comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, in the matter of prayer, the subject of prayer, could you teach us how to do it? Lord, could you give us some thoughts? 
God, would you be our mentor in this subject of prayer? Lord, would you be our teacher? Would you be the example that we need? Because there's nothing like having a mentor, nothing like having a teacher, especially that of Jesus Christ. And it's there in that scripture that Jesus gives the pattern for prayer and that we are to pray to the Father about his concerns and we are to pray about our family needs, etc. Often it's referred to as the Lord's Prayer, God's Prayer. It is found in Luke, the 11th chapter, verses 2 through 4, where this instruction has been given. I think that it would be good for us today to recite the Lord's Prayer. As we see it in the scripture and as you see it on the screen, please, let's just join together as we recite it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for sharing that with me. The prayer that Jesus taught us, your response was great. In the second service, I expect that it would not be as loud and not be as much unity. Because many of us learned this prayer when we were in school. That's where I learned it. We didn't have a Bible in the home, but I learned the Lord's Prayer when I attended school. And today, the Lord's Prayer is as valuable as it is and powerful as it is. Christmas carols are a struggle for many who did not learn them in school. And today, unfortunately, the Lord's Prayer is one that many younger people do not know. But it's in Luke, the 11th chapter, following this prayer that we look at today. Jesus continues his instruction following this prayer. It's another parable. And this parable, as a reminder, is a story. A, a story where Jesus will take events of the world of that time and of the culture and people can understand they can understand what he is speaking about. He motivates individuals to think. Sometimes, often, the thinking is done after Jesus shares the story, maybe later in the week, an application is giving. But this particular parable today is a parable that tells you and I and shows you and I, as well as the disciples of that day, how to approach God. They've received the instructions on how to pray. So now let us look as we continue in this text in Luke, the fifth, 11th chapter. And let's look at verses 5 through 10 together. Then Jesus said to them, now understand that this is following the prayer that he's taught them. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one out inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your audacity, 
He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. That's the end of the parable. The story that Christ shares with his disciples. This week we had company come to our house. They spent a couple days with us. A pastor friend and the day that they were to arrive, Lil pulled the car in the garage and she asked me to help her. So I went to the car and I carried about three bags of groceries in. These were things in these bags that I always want, but we don't typically have. (laughs) But I knew company was coming, you know. They were things that uh, maybe the company would like. And uh, the croissants, you know, that we may not eat because there's too much butter in them, but we're hoping that the company would eat them. Well, they didn't, and now I'm eating them. (laughs) But I'm enjoying them. But here in this story, we discover here that immediately after teaching the, the, the disciples to pray the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells a story of the neighbor who was in need of bread because a visitor was coming to the house. And the disciples had just asked him, teach us how to pray, Jesus. Teach us how to pray. And the lesson he is teaching them through this parable is to be persistent in their prayers. Don't give up. Don't ring the doorbell and run. Don't ring the doorbell and hide behind a tree. Don't ring the doorbell and not look back. But be persistent. Matter of fact, this is the first of two parables. And and, um, as we know, this will be the only one that you'll hear from me that drives the same concept home. Because the second is the parable of a persistent widow. It's a story about this widow going and um, to an unjust judge. And it's found later in Luke, the 18th chapter. But the characters in this story, we find first is the villager. The villager is the one who's in bed with his family. And it's at midnight and a neighbor comes with a need. And hospitality was something that was strictly an observed custom in the Middle East. And a man caught without bread for a visitor would be in a shameful state, would be in a desperately needy position. And only such need would drive a man to his neighbor's house at midnight and say, hey, I need some bread. And only such a need would drive the man to this level of persistence, midnight. And this is what Jesus is saying that should be our attitude as we approach the throne of grace. Remember, he just taught them how to pray. He gave them the model. He was the mentor. He was the teacher. And that we must go to the throne of God with persistent boldness. We must have this boldness that persists in pursuing God until he grants us his mercy and his grace. In other words, approach God with bold persistence, knowing that as a loving father, he will provide for our own spiritual good. 
and the spiritual good of others. Jesus is teaching his followers here how to pray and how to approach God. Mentoring is so valuable. It's a key word today. We hear about coaching. We hear about mentors. We hear about those who are teachers and those that set the example and lead others. Today, I want to tell you a parable. A parable about monks and baseball players and Terry Carter. Mentoring is so valuable. Let me tell you first about the monks. The St. Louis Priory in St. Louis is a place where there are St. Benedictine monks. Many of them have studied under C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. They are from England. They are very artsy. As a youth pastor, I would meet with them once a month and became friends with them. I took a busload of them to the first Lord of the Rings movie. That was exciting. They were with the youth group. But these monks became friends, and they asked me to come and to share with them. I didn't bother to look into the protocol of the example. I just prepared, and I worked and worked and worked. I studied and I studied and I studied because the evening was coming where I was to go to their dinner hour and share with them. I worked so hard because I knew their education background. I knew their love for the word of God. But when I arrived to speak to them at their dinner hour, it was dead silence. And they handed me a newspaper and a magazine. And I said, well, thank you. What is this for? And they said, well, you, you need to read to these people. You read to these men. And I'm thinking in my head, what about my sermon, all the work that I put into it? You see, I didn't do my homework. I didn't look for a teacher, didn't look for advice or a protocol. My sermon stayed in my pocket, and I read the current events to them because that's what was normally done at that dinner hour. All that sweating for nothing. Baseball players, St. Louis Cardinals. I had the privilege of being the chaplain for the professional baseball team. It all started with a man by the name of Rick Horton. Ricky Horton was a pitcher during that time. Ricky Horton was a devout Christian. And he asked me, he said, Pastor Charlie... Would you come and be part of our chapel group? This time I had grown a little older and I said, well, Ricky, what does that involve? How should I act? What should I do? He said, well, first of all, don't talk about baseball because you're not a baseball player and we don't need someone telling us about baseball. But we come together to hear the word of God and don't bring your teddy bears and your baseball and your plastic helmets for the guys to sign because it's not an autograph hour. So I went, and because of his mentoring, because of his teaching, I had things in order and became a person that was often there to speak to them. My last chapel service was with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Tommy Lasorda was the manager, and he allowed the players to come to the chapel service. Three feet from me, there was a player by the name of Daryl Strawberry. Daryl was going through some difficult times. He, didn't need, he did not need to hear about baseball, for sure. 
he needed to hear about the deliverance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it was a profitable time because, like Jesus teaching the disciples, I had a teacher. When I came to Evangel Temple 25 years ago, there was an associate pastor here by the name of Terry Carter. Terry Carter was ready to go out the door. And I said, Terry, I need you. I want you to stay here with me, and you've got to help me as I, as I navigate through this church. And every other month, Terry wanted to retire, and I think three years later, he finally did it. But his introduction was beneficial. It was smart. It was good. He was a mentor. He was a teacher. So there's a story about the monks, the baseball players, and my parable about Terry Carter. But let's apply that to every one of our lives. For example, if you lived in a country with a king, you just wouldn't stop by the king's house and say, hey, king, what's up, you know? What's going on with you? Have an interview with the king. And, but you would need some coaching. My son is a, a federal agent, and I remember about 10 years ago, in Washington, D.C., there was an event where kings came from all around the world. And he happened to be assigned to the duty of the king of Mozambique. And that assignment took a lot of lessons, a lot of coaching on how to act, to know the culture. When somebody would go and kiss a person on each cheek, you knew that you didn't take your gun out and shoot that person because that was protocol. Things that you have to learn. A few years ago, I remember I hired somebody to come in and talk to the staff on how to behave when we go out to dinner with you folks. You probably don't know about this, but protocol, teaching. Jesus was asked, teach us how to pray. So from that time, we learned how to sit down we learned when to pick up our fork. We learned how to put our spoon and knife down. And I, the only thing I remember, I remember many things, but the thing that strikes me, because I like cars, was BMW. We were taught BMW. I thought, hey, I know all about BMWs. No, you don't know about this. Your bread is here, your bread plate. Your meal is here and your water is there. Have you ever sat down at a table of eight or ten and you started drinking the guy's water next to you? Just remember BMW. There's nothing like being taught. There's nothing like being a mentor. Nothing like somebody sharing with you. So when you come before the king of kings, we need some coaching. When we come before the king of kings, we need to know what to do. And some may think that because God is sovereign, and he's holy, perhaps we shouldn't bother him with our prayers. And sometimes we think that we're so adequate, our ability is so, we, we're so talented that, hey, we don't need to come to God. We can handle this on our own. Or perhaps we should come to God with apology on our heart. Maybe we should approach God uh, being very timid, afraid to let him know what's really on our minds. Maybe once we've let him know the things that are on our mind and we get it off our backs, cast every care upon him, then we take off. We ring the bell 
and we run and we hide behind the tree. Jesus shows us here how to approach God to receive the things we need as we seek to do his will. Jesus mentors the fact that we should approach God with boldness as his friend persistently until we obtain what we need. In return, we can minister to others. So as we revisit this parable and we look at it, we find that the parable gives us somewhat of a humorous incident here as Christ shares it from the culture of Jesus' day. A guy has a traveler drop at his house late at night. He doesn't have the croissants. He doesn't have the bread to give this guy. And you, you must understand there's no come and goes. There's no Casey pizzas. There's no freezers. There's no place to go to the midnight market. And nothing in his home evidently is filled with food. And culturally, hospitality demanded that you give somebody something to eat. So the guy goes over to his friend's house at midnight. It's dark inside. I can imagine the door being bolted shut. But after all, this is his friend. And what are friends for? Wake them up at midnight. Borrow their lawnmower, their axe head, whatever. And so he starts banging on this guy's door. I had a bang on my door one night. I did a very foolish thing. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. It was dark out, and as I looked through the window of my front door, there was somebody standing there. The foolish thing that I did is I opened the door. Never thought that this person could stick a bar or something where I couldn't close the door. And it was a gentleman that wanted a light for his cigarette. He didn't want a loaf of bread. And uh, I told him I didn't have it. I should have sent him across the street to the chief of police's house. <laughs> told him, hey, Paul smokes, go over there. Hey, Paul doesn't smoke, but... But anyway, I only found out the next day that he was a person that walked away from Cox emergency room and he was confused and somehow ended up in our neighborhood. So here at this house, he knocks and he's banging on the door and inside the family would be sleeping together in one place. And during that time, there were probably some domestic animals in the house as well. I'm not talking about your chihuahua here. I'm talking about maybe a donkey or two because they were kept under cover. And I'm sure that the knock on the door made everyone restless and these animals as well. And you can hear a guy yelling. He's not looking at a ring doorbell. He has no idea what's going on. Who is it? What do you want at this hour? And the friend cheerily explains, man, I, I got company coming and, and I need some bread. Well, stop bothering me. The door's bolted shut. I finally got the kids all down. They're sleeping and every parent knows what that's like. And I don't want to get up and give you anything. But the friend keeps knocking and he keeps asking. And finally, the guy in bed realizes that the quickest way to get rid of this guy and get back to sleep is to get up and give him what he wants. Now, this story may be difficult for some of us to identify with culturally. You see, I have a neighbor 
who backs his car out of his driveway, and our driveway is 25 feet long, to the mailbox. He gets his mail, and he pulls back in his garage, shuts the door before I can see him get out of the car. For sure, I'm not going to knock on his door at midnight for a loaf of bread. Some of you have neighbors that are that way. They shut themselves up. I talked to a Filipino lady who visited the States to be with her daughter. She couldn't take it. Those of you that have traveled the world with me on various mission trips, culturally, you know what the streets look like, especially in some of the third world countries. You see, the Filipino lady would sit in her daughter's living room and see maybe one or two people walk by the house during the day. But in her culture, everything happened on the sidewalk. That's where people socialized. That's where neighbors came together. That's where the events all took place, the whole social life. So let's consider a few things from this story, at least from my point of view. First of all, I believe that this parable shows us the necessity or that necessity drives us to prayer. That there are things in our life that we cannot handle. There's events that we cannot understand. There's health problems and major losses and voids in our hearts. We can't figure it out. And it drives us to our knees in a time of prayer. It brings about an awareness of great need and our own lack of resources to meet those needs. And it drives us to prayer. Like the persecuted church, what can we do? We can only pray. pray. And all too often we fail to pray because we assume that in our own uh, sufficiency, we can handle things. And we wrongly think that we can get by with just a little boost from God here and there. Persistently, we must pray. But the fact is, is that... that um, Regardless of our physical, mental, and spiritual resources, unless God graciously provides, we have nothing. We have nothing in every situation. We must recognize that we are desperate to call upon the name of Jesus Christ and to do so persistently. The second thing as I study this parable that I take home with me is the need that this case was not um, directly a personal case for this man. But the need was for someone else. And if the man himself had been hungry and he didn't have the food, I'm sure he would have waited till the next morning. I'm sure he would have waited till the rest of the world got up. I'm sure that he would have waited and went over and saw his friend. But that wasn't the need. It was the midnight guest need that drove this man to his friend's house at an unseemly hour. It was the need of another individual. And while we should go boldly to God and find help for our own needs, we should keep in mind that the main thrust of prayer is not just to meet our needs, but to further the Father's kingdom. Pray for the persecuted church. It is part of the kingdom. Thus we are to ask for what we need to meet the needs of others in the name of the Father's business, that we can bless others. The third thing that I see in this parable is this man had already established a friendship with his neighbor and his friend. It wasn't like 
him going over to the guy who locks himself in his house and shuts his garage door so I could never talk. You see, he had established a friendship. He wasn't just introducing himself for the first time that night. They had a personal relationship, and he was acting upon it. Now, please understand, while God is often gracious to introduce himself for the first time in response to a midnight knock on his door, the time to meet God is before that midnight hour. The time to know God is right now in your life. We don't know what the future holds. And if you know your Savior as a familiar friend, you will feel more comfortable banging on the door at midnight when you have that need. They were friends. So are you a friend with your Savior today? Is Jesus Christ the master of your heart? Is Jesus Christ one that you can go to? And then the fourth thing, we should recognize the stark contrast between the man and this house and God. For example, the man was in bed asleep, and we serve a Savior that never sleeps. He never slumbers. We serve a God that we can go to with any need. The man in bed did not want to be disturbed, whereas our request to God, according to Jesus, does not disturb him. Be persistent. Pray like this. The midnight request probably put a strain on the relationship between these two guys. I could hear them say maybe the next day, hey, don't, don't ever call. Do that again at midnight. Scared the socks off the animals in my family and everyone else. Probably put a strain. Whereas our relationship with our Lord and Savior is one where we can always go to him. Any hour. We can pray and praise him at any hour. And it doesn't put a strain on our relationship with God. Jesus' point is, is that we should be boldly persistent in bringing our request to God at any hour at any situation in our lives. If a cranky friend responds to this kind of bold, persistent, how much more will our Heavenly Father respond to us? He loves us. We need God every hour, every hour of our life. There are times in our lives where you may feel that that is more truth than what you understand, but you draw from that strength. There was a dad who had a three-year-old son, and he just got the son through the bedtime routine. He read the story. As he reads the story every night, he listened to his son pray. He answered a dozen questions. He gave his son a hug, and he said goodnight four or five times to his son before he slipped out of the room. Finally, after a long, hard day, this father could sit down and relax. He sat down in his easy chair, and it was quiet for about five minutes, and then he heard, Daddy, can I have a drink of water? And um, he said to him, No, son, you need to be quiet. You need to go to sleep. His son's quiet for a couple minutes, and then louder than the time before. Daddy! Can I have a drink of water? Son, I said to be quiet and go to sleep. There was silence again, but it didn't last long. 
Daddy, can I have a drink of water? And the dad could see that he wasn't getting anywhere with this kid. He said, son, if I hear one more sound come out of your room, I'm going to spank you. You could hear a pin drop. The silence was thick for about a minute. And then he heard, Daddy, when you come in here to spank me, would you bring me a drink of water? (laughs) Well, now the dad knows. He knows that this kid is really thirsty. Why? Because he is so boldly persistent. That's a parable that you grandparents and mothers and fathers can appreciate. Church, we all have friends that drop in to our lives during the midnight hour. We, we don't have in ourselves oftentimes what they need. But we have a friend and we have a father in Jesus Christ in heaven that has plenty to meet our needs. He invites us to disturb him at any hour and to keep on knocking until we can meet that friend's need. And hopefully, what we've learned from this parable today is that Jesus tells us to ask and to keep on asking. And whatever we ask in God's will is assured to us. He had just taught his disciples to pray this Lord's Prayer, which includes the phrase, your will be done. When you hear the phrase, this has been bathed in prayer, be careful. Be careful. Because what the Lord is saying here, his will to be done. That phrase sounds very spiritual, but when you put it all together, we can see that we are to be persistent in asking God to work in our lives and to answer our prayer according to his perfect will and according to his perfect timing. And sometimes we can feel like, hey, yeah, we got the answer. We've got the answer, but we don't keep knocking. We make the shot, we make the call, and we hide behind the tree. And the Lord is telling us here to have confidence that his will will be done, his timing will be done. And when we pray without ceasing, um, we must be prepared that uh, we may not get the full answer. You see, he teaches us that when we pray without ceasing and have confidence in God, the benefits are many. We experience the goodness of God as we commune with him. We we become eager participants in his purpose and his will, yielding our lives to his wishes and to him. And when we enter his presence with boldness and security, knowing that he will bless us, and that he will fellowship with us, and that he will love us. We need him every hour, whether it be the midnight hour, whether it would be the morning hour. We need, we need him. Let's pray together. Would you join me today? Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. And Lord, 
You're our heavenly father. And we praise you for teaching us how to pray. And we thank you, God, for this parable. We thank you, Lord, for people who surround our lives. And Lord, at the midnight hours of our lives, they're there for us. We praise your holy name today. We thank you that you have shown us mercy. Father, we pray that your will would be done in our lives and in this world. For your way to rule here on earth as it is in heaven. We are not in control, Lord. You are. And even though that's often hard for us to admit and to accept, God, today we release what we have. We release what comes next in our lives into your hands, O oh Lord. And we trust you fully. We want to step into any path that you lay before us, God, even if it looks different from what we thought or what we wanted. For we know that you have bigger plans for every one of our lives, so we submit our lives to your will and we trust and obey. And Father, we are eager to follow you with joyful hearts. Father, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God, I pray for that person today that may not have a friend, a spiritual friend, that Jesus at this moment, that they would realize that every hour we need you. God, that they would realize and accept Jesus Christ into their heart to pray the prayer, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I reach out to you, Lord. Forgive me of my trespasses, my shortcomings. And Father, help me as I navigate through this life only with your spiritual purpose. And Jesus, I accept you into my heart at this moment. Thank you, God, that your promises are true. Thank you, Lord, that we can call upon you at every hour in our life. You are a wonderful Lord and Savior. God, we give you praise and thanksgiving for your parables, for the lessons that you teach us. And God, may we be faithful to praying the prayer that you've taught us. Thy will be done in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together, church. Let's sing this old uh, hymn, old chorus. I need thee every hour. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.